This episode of Troxel is supported by Arc Vision. Save 5% off anything and everything, including any type of license of the just-released Rhino version 8 when you buy from arcvision.com store and use code TRXL at checkout. That's A-R-C-H-V-I-S-I-O-N dot com slash store and use code TRXL at checkout and save 5% off your entire order. Just make sure you do it before December 31st, 2023. This episode of Troxel is supported by Avail. Avail helps AECO firms better manage, organize, and navigate information faster. Visit getavail.com today. This episode of Troxel is supported by Confluence, which is now more than a conference. It's also a video podcast where AEC industry software developers take us behind the scenes and share their design and decision-making process to show how they made the tools we all use to design the built environment. It's available on YouTube and Spotify. Follow the link in the show notes and subscribe today. Welcome to the Troxel Podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. A little bit of housekeeping here before I introduce my guest for the episode. I'll be at Autodesk University next week, and if you're going to be there too, please reach out to me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I'd love to meet you. You can find the link to my profile in the show notes for this episode at trxl.co. Okay, in this episode, I welcome German Aparicio Jr., German is the program manager of early innovation and partner development at Trimble Ventures, where he is focused on advancing early stage innovation and collaboration, leading outreach efforts, and expanding their innovation portfolio through the identification of promising early stage companies. He has a decade of consulting experience working with Trimble Consulting, providing strategic advisory and advanced project delivery services to leading owners architects, engineers, builders, fabricators, and other industry professionals worldwide. German previously co-founded Trimble's 060 Accelerator program focused on design and technology for Trimble's core industries to help startups build and scale innovative products and services. Prior to joining Trimble, German worked at some of the world's leading design, engineering, and technology companies, including Gary Technologies, which is also known as GT. In this episode, we discuss Trimble Ventures' new venture fund program to stimulate innovation in AEC, the importance of connecting the job site with design, mentorship and the value of real-world experience, the use of AI and machine learning in the AEC industry, and the potential of multimodal models and the natural language interfaces in the latest AI tools. So without further ado, I bring you my conversation with German Aparicio. German, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you again. Thank you. Likewise, Evan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're we're gonna take two here because we we just had a, a recording hiccup. So we've we've already we've already chatted through this, but I I wanted you to maybe tell a little bit of the story of where we met and what we were doing back back in the day, as we called this segment of the show. Yeah, so I was mentioning, I was thinking about this. Uh, I'm thinking about coming on the podcast, and I, re- I think the first time we met was back in my Cal Poly days when I was a student there, so yeah. early two, early 2000s, and I was mentioning that uh, I took one of your courses, and it was focused on Form Z, which was the 3D modeling software 
at the time. It was kind of the cutting edge technology. And uh, I was very excited to take this course because I was kind of frustrated with the existing tool sets that, that we had. Um, and, and yeah, I was looking forward to learning more. Form Z circa 2003. It was 3D modeling was a different animal back then, right? Like we were we were working in wireframe all the time, and yeah. it was big desktop bound computers. We had the Mac lab, we had the PC lab at Cal Poly, and I remember that very well, also. And and that was really before we started teaching BIM at Cal Poly, right? Uh, it wasn't too long after that that I recall teaching ArchiCAD. And then we transitioned to Revit. And I know for me, always teaching kind of technology on the technology side of the architecture program, I was just constantly having to adjust my curriculum. I was just telling somebody this story just a few days ago, like every quarter technology is moving, 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 moving. Whereas the professors in design studio, which of course get all of the attention from all the students, it's what everything rely, you know, it's all built on design studio. Those those courses never change, right? They're, they're probably still doing the getaway house in third year. They're probably still doing the infill project in second year. They're probably, you know, and it, it's, it's really interesting to me because I always felt like I had to meet the demands of what the studio professors wanted technology wise for a whole decade. And their courses never changed. I just thought, I just kind of reflecting on that. And it was, it, it's interesting to see how technology is affecting the profession, but it's amazing how much of the profession is also got its heels dug in and it's not going to change technology or not. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of an interesting paradigm and this, this whole foundation of our, of what we do as professionals, you know, I, it's just kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. I think our industry has always been slow to adopt new technologies, right? So it's kind of interesting to think about, yeah, what technologies existed when I was a student there at Cal Poly. And uh, like I mentioned, Form Z was kind of cutting edge. And I think back then it was, you know, every, I don't know, two and a half to five years that a new technology was um, came to market and kind of a new skill set that we had to learn. Yeah, today that, that time has uh, gone down, right? To You mentioned the quarter, uh, universities on the quarter system, but I think even even a shorter time frame now we're seeing new developments like i don't know six months is kind of a long time frame now it's like every, yeah. every three months or every every other month a year or something new it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and with uh, all of the you know the ai hype cycle that we're living through at the moment right is every week there's you know now it's multimodal ai and and it's it, that's going to be forgotten in a minute and we're going to move on to something else, but it, it just feels like it's moving so quickly. Um, uh, it's absolutely astounding the pace. And I'm sure that you're hyper aware of what's going on in the space. So maybe you can, before we get into the, the tech of today and, and what, what is really interesting to you, let's go back and, and give the story of what you've been up to for, let's just say the last decade, maybe more, but since, since we, you know, we're, we're 20 years out of Cal Poly at this point, yeah. you, you were in my paths crossing, right? And a lot has happened too much to talk about, but, but talk about your role at Trimble 
and where you're coming from on the incubator accelerator side. I, I want you to kind of uh, paint the picture of, of what you've been working on for since you've been at Trimble. Yeah, so I joined Trimble by way of acquisition back in 2014 uh, when I was working at Gary Technologies. And I joined Gary Technologies uh, by way of an invitation by then my um, you know, formal thesis advisor from MIT, Dennis Sheldon, invited me to join the team after we had taught a course together at uh, UCLA. And so I was kind of excited to leave the corporate world and join an boutique firm focused on, you know, advanced product delivery using uh, cutting edge technologies. And uh, the idea of, you know, working on some of these amazing projects that, uh, Technologies had the fortune of, of by way of working with Frank Gehry and other architects. Um, little did I know that we're, the company was going to be acquired by by Trimble. Um, mm-hmm. But to Trimble's credit, you know, since 2014, they kind of uh, left the consulting group as as is for for many years, and had the fortune to work on a number of very exciting projects as part of that team worked on our projects like the uh, new airport in Mexico City. I got a, had a chance to work on a number of uh, WDI projects over at Disney uh, across the world in Tokyo and Florida. Had a chance to work on, uh, you know, a, a number of projects uh, around the world that are, are well documented uh, online. But uh, during that during that period, you know, having worked in consulting and developing bespoke technologies for every every project and then at the end of a project kind of throwing it away uh, quickly realized that it was a very sustainable model and how do you drive uh, real change in the industry if you're not able to kind of develop these products uh, in in further further detail right ready for market uh, we decided to kind of launch a accelerator program and so in 2018, uh, co-founded an accelerator program called Zero Sixty, and worked with a number of startup companies, many uh, whose founders you've had on your podcast, right? Including um, teams like or companies like Hypar, Testfit, Tonic DM, all really, really great uh, products and and teams that are contributing to driving that change in the industry. And I uh, was kind of very excited to launch the accelerator program and, and play a role in, in helping drive that change. And so from, from that success, based on those early partnerships with these companies, uh, more recently, I've uh, had the opportunity to join our ventures team. And so the idea behind the ventures team is to create a, create a role uh, under the ventures umbrella to help grow and scale this accelerator program and also focus on our uh, portfolio companies. So for those that don't know, Trimble Ventures is a a corporate venture arm of Trimble, and uh, they manage a $200 million fund, which is, you can think of fund number one, that invest in in companies, startup companies, more closer to series A through D, and uh, the idea behind my role is maybe to focus more on the early stage companies, right? So pre-series A, think uh, pre-seed and seed 
stage companies to help develop their ideas and, and develop partnerships over time. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to announce that I'm currently uh, left the Trimble Consulting team and joined the Trimble Ventures team to, to focus on this new role. There's a lot of little pieces I want to go back and pick out. Yes, we have had several, we've had your past colleagues on the show. You guys lectured in my class at Cal Poly. So this is other kind of touch points along the, our paths that we've had. And it the, talking about emerging technology, you've always had this drive toward technology and making the profession better. And I think it's interesting now, you know, you were with the 060 Accelerator, you mentioned High Par Test Fit, um, Reg at Tonic DM was on the show. I'll put links to all of these back in the show notes for this episode so people can kind of connect the dots. Um, Robert Ewan from Monograph as well, right? Yeah. Um, and and there's this really interesting take by Trimble, which is like, you don't just go out and acquire these companies. Maybe you try, I have no idea, right? But <laughs> this this idea of investing, I think is so interesting because it's, different than what we see other large companies in AEC trying to do, right? And so can you just talk about it from that point of view here? Just why why that approach? Why the investment approach? Why the mentoring approach? Because I think we want to talk about mentoring as well. Why why are you not just investing dollars, but you're also like like the idea of an accelerator program is not just money, right? It's it's expertise. It's lessons learned. It's all of these things. So from from your perspective, can you kind of bounce off of those kind of ideas and tell us where you guys are coming from? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I think there's there's many um, investment vehicles right, that you mentioned. So there are efforts, right? There's the, the M&A, the mergers and acquisitions. I think uh, Trimble as a, as a company has, has uh, done a great job by yeah, acquiring various companies like Dairy Technologies. That's how I was introduced to Trimble and uh, really leaves, leaves them you know, for a long time to, to do what they're best at and uh, brings them under the Trimble umbrella as uh, what we call one Trimble. The other area where Trimble invests in is in, uh, it's part of the, the ventures arm, right? Is in these uh, startup companies, Series A through D, so there's a whole fund kind of focus on uh, to that, uh, as well as historically in some of our um, partner funds like uh, Iron Springs investing kind of uh, in some of those companies. Uh, the the one that I, I can speak closer to because I'm part of this probably from an acceleration standpoint, right? The focus on the earlier stage companies and the idea behind that was to partner with um, some of these existing companies that maybe were uh, pre-revenue or had a uh, you know under a million dollars in revenue, and and uh, some of these companies had different needs, and it, it kind of goes back to the motive for starting the accelerator in the first place, right? Is to partner with these companies, help drive change in the industry, uh, but as well realizing that um, you know if you look to adjacent industries like the tech industry, there is very mature accelerator programs that offer, uh, to your point, mentoring and finance and access to resources to these companies to grow and scale. Uh, I felt like in 2000, 
18 when we launched this accelerator program, we didn't have that for architecture, engineering, construction specifically. If we did, you know, it was maybe, uh, yeah, one of the existing tech programs or a very small program. And I thought uh, Trimble was uniquely positioned to set up an accelerator program and have a lot of value to offer to these companies. So as part of the accelerator program, yeah, we, we kind of structured it similar to other accelerator programs in the, in the tech industry where we have, uh, you know, series of, of demo days, uh, mentor days, and then we end with a graduation event. So it's a three currently set up as a three month equity free program. But the meat of that program is really focused on workshops, training and mentorship. And so the workshops really help companies who need help in specific areas right, such as marketing or uh, finding that product market fit or just getting um, introduced to strategic clients. So Trimble is uniquely positioned that it works with a number of uh, innovative, you know, customers, right, uh, clients that, that we have as customers that are doing really amazing work. And, um, you know, we had the opportunity as part of this accelerator program to have, you know, dedicated, we call them open, closed, demo days where we would invite a number of our participants to come present to strategic clients and get that kind of early feedback, which is, a, I think, a, was a big value add. But in addition to that, you know, uh, industry-specific training. So we would, we would offer as part of this program access to hardware and software and then kind of any, any needed training associated to that. Um, back then, we had a, a few APIs, but maybe not a central location where developers could find that information. And so part of the Accelerator program uh, experience was to facilitate those connections and app, you know, access to documentation for uh, potential integration to the products. But that wasn't necessarily the focus. The real focus was on, on mentoring right, these companies and providing a help where they needed access to resources, whether it be introduction to potential clients, marketing opportunities by inviting them to specific events um, or, or networking with um, industry professionals and internally with folks that uh, have, have built and created their own companies in the past and found themselves to be acquired by Trimble or, or you know, this was, yeah, kind of the next evolution of, of their careers that provide, come back and provide that um, feedback to these, these uh, participants. Are you planning on getting software before the year ends? Maybe you need to use your budget in 2023 or want to upgrade to something new like the just released Rhino version 8. Rhino 8 introduces amazing new tools for architectural design. One standout feature is the push-pull tools, which are incredibly powerful and even work on curved surfaces. The new inset command and auto seaplane tools enhance the architectural modeling experience. There are also new features like auto-updating clipping section drawings, shrink wrap, which is amazing for 3D printing, and new display types, including a fast and beautiful built-in render engine. Rhino also now supports new Grasshopper data types, and bonus, upgrades from any older version of Rhino are currently 33% off for a limited time. By purchasing anything at arcvision.com store and using the code TRXL at checkout, you can not only support Droxel, but you'll also get 5% off your order. ArcVision is an authorized reseller of Rhino, SketchUp, Enscape, V-Ray, and more. So whether you're a student, an individual practitioner, 
or part of a firm with multiple licenses, if you're looking to buy architectural software before the end of 2023, visit arcvision.com store and use code TRXL at checkout and save 5% off your order. The link will also be in the show notes. I think I caught you saying equity free. It's not like I caught you red handed or something, but is that what you said? Is it you said that this was like an equity free investment? Correct. The The program was initially set up to be an equity free program, right? And and the idea behind that was, like I said, in, in our industry, we didn't really have a program, accelerator program set up to help these companies build. You know, a lot of these companies are, are bootstrapped. You know, they might have mm-hmm. one or two uh, customers or they might have, uh, you know, their own investment that they're using maybe fam- family friends money to get them up and running and so felt like uh, being part of a large organization didn't make sense to take equity in these companies and that really wasn't the goal right the goal was to help them grow and scale and that in the various ways that they were looking to do that uh, again to hopefully help drive change in the industry it's, I just think that is super interesting, German. Like the that just sounds completely amazing. And I, it, as the VC kind of landscape has changed, I think everybody's way more aware of it than we were ten years ago or five, six years ago when you guys started this. To be looking for the unicorns, right? Looking for the ten x, a hundred x returns. Uh, it's a difficult landscape for startups to navigate, especially if they're coming from architecture, right? Like this is not how people were trained. They're not trained in finance. They're not trained in this, all these, you know, series A, series B, series C, they're not trained in, and and that is like a, a foreign language. It's a, it's a foreign concept to a lot of them, to a lot of every us, I should say, cause we're, I'm coming from architecture as well, right? This is we 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 barely even had a business class. We probably didn't have a business class in architecture, right? And so for you guys as Trimble, a big company who's been there, done that, you've acquired firms, you've invested. Everybody wants a return on their investment, and I think what's interesting from what I'm hearing from you is that the return on investment for you is a stronger profession, is a stronger industry, and I think that is wild that you're actually doing that i mean really that that's what you're doing that that sounds incredible to me yeah i think it comes from our own experiences right like like yourself i am also trained as an architect went went to cal poly architecture school didn't have the opportunity uh business courses it wasn't really until grad school that i was kind of exposed to this idea of uh, startups right and kind of spinning out companies out of labs Right and kind of what what resources it would take to to do that to achieve that, and uh, I had the fortune to yeah spend some time at MIT where I learned a little bit of that, but also it wasn't until uh, I had the opportunity to teach in the Bay Area and spend time in, in San Francisco teaching at uh, CCA and at UC Berkeley where I was kind of exposed to the idea of an accelerator program and served as a mentor. Uh, to some of the companies there and just learn kind of some of the, the behind the scenes, right, of, of that mm-hmm. world. And mm-hmm. so that in, that also kind of inspired, right, uh, me to, to help 
start this accelerator program. And then also taking the, the experience from being acquired, right, as Gear Technologies uh, into Trimble and the idea that, you know, a company which in its own was a, was a startup out of uh, Frank Gehry's practice, right, as this kind of a sister company mm -hmm. to, to realize his buildings that could develop a technology back then, such as uh, G Team that came out of, you know, working on projects now, Trimble Connect, and be acquired by a large organization like Trimble, I thought, I thought was really interesting. And so kind of going back to why, why make it equity free, you know, a program like that didn't exist for, for our industry. And mm -hmm. so one, it didn't make sense to take equity in, in these smaller companies who are just, you know, uh, trying to build a product or a service and have that background. But, but I thought, Again, Trimble was uniquely positioned to offer that knowledge, that skill set, uh, access to resources, mentorship to be able to to take those products and services to the next level. I just think about the mindset difference between startups that are building something for the short term to get acquired by somebody bigger versus the ones who are building something to last that is much more of an architectural practice point of view, building a practice. Well, a lot of people start their own practices, right? And they want to build that practice for decades. They want to build it. They're not starting a practice to get acquired typically, right? It does happen. There's a lot of M&A in AEC, right? But I think most people start a practice because they want the freedom, whether that's the freedom of expression or the types of projects or they see a niche that they can go after. And and what you're talking about is investing in companies to help them build something that lasts. And of course, I, I, I can't imagine that you're putting some kind of clause in there that says you can't get acquired, right? Of course, some people are still gonna you know, do that. But I think that that's just kind of an interesting, an interesting perspective to take, to do something for the industry. I mean, funny enough, that, that's why I do what I'm doing at the podcast, right? I, I want to see this industry get better. I want to share the things that typically happen in private conversations with everybody so that we can all get better together. And it sounds a lot to me like that's what you're doing with Trimble. And I, I like how you take it back to what you were doing at GT when you were acquired. And, and I remember when you and Lucas and Ali uh, were all working at GT. I thought of you guys as like a, a skunk works team who was, or like a SWAT team who would go into different projects for different architects all over the world and like do a job, right? You were the A team. And then you would, you would go back out and then you would go do another job. And I think it's interesting that you said that you would kind of start from scratch every time. And you saw that as being really wasteful. And we we kind of do that on architectural projects as architects throughout the entire industry. And it it's amazing to me to even think about your first cohort that you had at Zero Sixty with Ian from Hypar. And one thing we've talked about on this podcast is how his goal was to make it so that architects never had to start from a blank page, which is exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about what you were doing at GT even, right? So all of these things are kind of swirling around and informing each other and creating this kind of clear path forward. And I think, again, I think it's just incredible 
that Trimble kind of sees this as a, a zero equity. Of course, I'm sure there's an option at some point where it like you couldn't not try to acquire a firm if they were if they were interested in that to be part of the bigger Trimbo eco, Trimble ecosystem. But but for the most part, you're just saying no. Like we're doing this to strengthen all of it and. Uh, because you working at GT, you saw the incredible power of what technology could do. You mentioned the Mexico City Airport. I mean, I, I, you guys came into my class and talked about that project. Allie did. She talked about that project and she talked about what you did there. And that these projects could not happen without what you were doing. I mean, it's absolutely um, just table stakes that they could not have happened without what you're doing. And I think you're applying that view back to the industry and saying, well, that's what technology has the power to do. We've seen it firsthand. We're going to empower others to do that more and more and more for our industry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely informed from our, our previous experiences. Like I said at my time at Cal Poly, my time at MIT, and my time at GT kind of informed the motivation behind launching the accelerator program, but also from those experiences, realizing, yeah, not not having been trained in these areas and um, just learning from having spent time in the industry and, and working with others. Uh, so that, yeah, the early parts of the of the accelerator program were really exciting because we were also learning from right the startup companies about how to how to run an accelerator program. You know what are, what is the the best way to structure it, what uh, value we could provide to these these companies, and it, you know, was in the form of access to resources, whether it be uh, again technology, hardware, software, or marketing opportunities, introductions to to customers, those sorts of things. But I think that the biggest value that uh, we had to offer, or that came out of uh, maybe a lesson learned that came out of that experience was this idea of mentorship. And that's also been kind of a, a theme throughout my uh, career in education, right? Uh, kind of going back to the beginning of, of the podcast, we we're talking about time at Cal mm -hmm. Poly, you know, people like yourself like to, yeah, thank you for that time and, and learning about various software technologies that you brought to the university, uh, you know, other other professors at Cal Poly that served as mentors for me, people like uh, Axel Pritchard Smith Springer, uh, Michael Fox, you know, Jintao, a uh, number of other faculty there that helped inspire and kind of uh, drive right my my career. I think very very similar um, idea is what we're trying to push as part of the accelerator program, the idea of mentorship and how because a number of uh, people who decide to start their own companies, right? Don't have that background. How do you uh, bring them up and running or up to speed in a short amount of time? And that's kind of the, the idea behind having this three month window, <clears throat> excuse me, three month window to be able to bring your product and service and and scale it up through, uh, through this program and connect you with various mentors whether it be in marketing, whether it be in uh, software development or, or other areas that you have a need. And so as kind of a, a result, um, this, this year we decided to run a, a pilot program with our Trimble Tech Labs. And our Trimble Tech Labs is, is a program with our university partners. 
And so uh, we launched that uh, this last August and we currently have a, a number of students that participate. So the idea was to target undergrad, graduate, and uh, maybe even faculty who, who have idea, maybe researching ideas as part of the labs and how do we leverage the resources they have available to them as part of the labs to develop their own business model and value propositions. So in, in parallel, I've also been teaching a course at Cal Poly Pomona uh, as, as a part-time faculty there. Shout out to, uh, to George and, and other faculty for allowing me to teach this course, but it, it teaches students about, yeah, the business model. We use the business model canvas as a tool, right? Or lean methods, the same, uh, yeah, business principles that are taught in like a NSF, iCorps type program to help mm. uh, develop your own business models and value propositions. And we do, do that through a series of exercises and, and doing customer surveys, uh, currently running that that uh, curriculum as part of this uh, pilot program that we have with our Trimble Tech Lab partners. And so we have a cohort of uh, students from various universities, including Washington State University, Purdue, Texas A&M, uh, Florida International University. They've been a great partner in developing this pilot program to see if we can't help right, the various uh, participants develop their own business models and uh, potentially spin us uh, out, of, out of these labs. I think that's a, another ex exciting space that kind of grow, builds on top of the ideas that, that were mentioned before. This episode is made possible with support from Avail. What's one of the most painful aspects of working in Revit today? Well, we all know that as a Revit project grows over time, navigating the information in that project becomes ever more taxing. And when more than one person is working on a project, a new wave of challenges arise. It only gets more difficult throughout the life of a project. Good news, a huge update to Avail Desktop was just released. Version 4.5 introduces several powerful new features designed to improve organizing, searching, and finding information within Avail. New features include channel groups, application mappings, and scope searches. But that's not all. Let's talk about the all-new Project Navigator, a powerful new feature in Avail for Revit 5.1 that extends Revit's native project browser to help navigate the dense information you're forced to endure as your projects grow. For the first time, Avail will connect your active project to your standard library with one unified search box. With Project Navigator, you can easily switch between active projects, see recently viewed Revit elements, search across all Revit project elements, yes, all of them, conveniently search Avail with one click, filter by all the different element types, navigate to sheets and views, legends and schedules, view individual elements contained on sheets and navigate to them, view family types, and more importantly, actually drag and drop them right into your project, view instances of each family type currently being used in the model, and more. To read all about the new features and see a video of them in action, visit getavail.com. There you'll find a features pull-down menu, and you can look at all of the different features, including the new Project Navigator. Once again, that's getavail.com, and look in the bar across the top for that features pull-down menu. Thank you to Avail for supporting this episode of Troxel the idea of teaching basically entrepreneurship in architecture, I think has been lacking 
for a long time. It's awesome to hear that that's what's going on. I had a conversation with a previous guest, Jeff Eccles, who teaches a pro practice class at Ball State University in Indiana. And a big piece of that is entrepreneurship as well in kind of designing business models that it's, typically it's going to be around technology. The students are immersed in technology. It's how they deliver all their projects. And so oftentimes I think they can see opportunities there or holes, right, that they might want to try to fill with, with an idea. It's really cool to hear that there's an avenue f to develop those skills because I think, you know, going to school, when I went to school, it was like you're getting trained to go work in an office. And it wasn't really that you're getting trained to go run a business or start a business, right? You would learn how to do that by working at some other office, right? Schools did school stuff. Businesses did business stuff. And they were kind of separate. They still kind of are, right? So it's really interesting to me to hear that this is actively being pursued with these university partnerships all over the United States. Can you give some ideas of just the kinds of ideas that students come up with? Because I, we, we look at design, design courses, the ideas are wild, right? They're all over the place and that's encouraged. Like that's what you do when you're in school. Is it the same for this kind of a course or is there like limits that you put on students? Or I I'm really interested to kind of hear the kinds of things that you're experiencing through this process. Yeah, I think, I think it goes back to my consulting days, right? Having spent a number of years on projects and identifying specific pain points, areas where technologies didn't speak to each other, hadn't developed bespoke technologies to solve a specific problem. Or, um, yeah, I think, I think that kind of fed into the, this concept that students uh, face similar aha moments, right? When doing their own research, mm -hmm. that there are uh, pain points in the industry in which that you know, they realize technologies don't talk to each other and, and uh, they're working on an idea that could help solve those those challenges. So the idea behind this pilot program was to work with those students that were researching those type of things in the labs and develop their own uh, business models and value propositions. And so we have, we have essentially four teams at the moment that are participating in part of this pilot program from those various universities I previously mentioned. And some of them are focused on uh, taking maybe construction safety training as a, as an idea, creating kind of certificate program. But what, what would a uh, certificate safety training certificate program look like using emergent technology like virtual reality or augmented reality headset, right? How do you take, and I think this this idea is interesting because I think it came about as a result from uh, the COVID era, right? Hmm. So like yeah. a lot of a lot of students and, and just people in general found themselves that they couldn't do their jobs because they couldn't access labs or uh, yeah, the, the facilities to achieve their specific goals. And so this idea that uh, you could kind of extend the lab into a headset and train a labor force at scale uh, using these emerging technologies is really interesting. So this team is looking at developing a construction safety course uh, using virtual reality. And uh, as part of this program, they're looking to develop that on, a, on top of a product that, that we have at Trimble called Trimble Virtual World. And it's kind of this uh, really neat 
virtual environment that allows you to build what's called a quest, right? And the, the idea behind uh, Trimble Virtual World is to create these kind of uh, training experiences to help uh, train various labor forces because that's, that's currently uh, a challenge specifically in the construction industry, right? Is to find enough people to, to build projects, right? And train them up. I think there's also a big disconnect between those that have the knowledge in the industry, right? There are maybe more senior uh, individuals versus the, the incoming kind of uh, workforce right out of school. And so the idea behind this platform is to help kind of uh, build a connection between those two groups and have kind of a virtual environment to do that type of training. So this team is looking to take their construction safety course and uh, implement it on our Trimble Virtual World platform, which is a very exciting, uh, you know, project that, that they're currently working on. We're currently about halfway through the accelerator program, just had a very successful mentor day and uh, getting ready for a demo day here at the end of October, and then a, a graduation event in uh, end of November. But that's just that's just one team. Another team that's out of uh, the Sweden area is developing a uh, a wood. Sorry, I want to say this correctly. Yeah, a wood uh, structural system, a building system allows you to assemble and disassemble buildings uh, on demand. And so uh, this particular student has developed uh, a product and is, is looking to patent that product. And uh, with part of the accelerator program, looking to take that building system and uh, essentially take the logic and encode it into one of our products that's called Trimble Creator, which is essentially you know, very similar to, I would say, like a Grasshopper Dynamo uh, for, for SketchUp or uh, Tecla, for example, to be able to build a building configurator, right? So you think about taking her library of, of parts, whether it be a floor system, wall system, roof system, encoded into this uh, software that, that allows a designer to build a design and then kind of automate the instructions for assembly and disassembly of, of that project. That's the second, the second project that currently working on. The third one is focused on a cost estimating tool. So we have a, a student out of uh, Florida International University that is kind of looking at this old age problem of cost estimating and using models to, for quantification. And so we're taking his research work and building it into a product of ours called Trimble Connects, so they're able to automatically upload a model and kind of extract those values in the back end, and uh, you know potentially use something like AI to uh, give you uh, cost estimating uh, values. Uh, so that's a, that's our third project, and maybe the the fourth project is focus on indoor mapping. Um, they've partnered. This is out of Texas A&M. They partner with uh, another startup company that's developed uh, indoor positioning system uh, that is a technology that's come out of NASA, and they're looking to collaborate to build, um, yeah, a a new product to help visualize that information to help first responders. And so they're taking the data that's collected from that system and maybe uh, create models on Trimble Connect, SketchUp then kind of uh, visualize in, in real time some of that sensor data 
uh, using these technologies. So a lot of really, you know, a lot of, a lot of our labs are based out of the civil engineering departments. And so kind of a lot of projects, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in these, in these various spaces from everything from training to building configuration to, uh, indoor mapping and cost estimating, uh, just to give you a flavor of projects that come through the program. And, the, and some of these things, maybe if maybe all of them are not things that are traditional focus of architecture school, right? These are not design problems. And, and so you said civil engineering departments, a lot of that, that's where this action is happening, but like the, the kind of, well, there's two things I want to talk about here. One is like approaching this as a design problem right? We, we as architects are trained to focus on design problems as design problems, but we don't necessarily think about our businesses as design problems. And we don't think about our practices as design problems. And I think that there's a lot of room for that. Um, the other, the other thing though, that I, I, I think is interesting that you're in a position to deliver here. And I'm interested to see if you are is students don't have all the experience needed to do cost estimating. They don't have all the experience needed to do the kinds of pro you know, when you're talking about a building system for deployable uh, buildings that, that can get assembled and disassembled. And so are you, because Trimble is such a big entity, are you able to connect those students? I mean, we talked about mentoring, so I, I kind of assume the answer is yes, but are you connecting them with people in the industry whether that's Trimble or outside of Trimble to make informed decisions as they develop these ideas so that they can go farther faster, right? Because I think something we all, I don't want to say suffered from, but, but the thing that we saw when we were in school was that a lot of our professors didn't practice architecture. They were career academics, right? And, and that was a bit of a disservice for knowing what it was going to be like to work in the industry. And a lot of times you go through school, then you get out of school and it's like, you didn't learn that how, how we do that because we just didn't have that connection. So are you making those connections for these projects, these people who are leading these projects in universities so that they get that exposure and that experience as they do it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. That's kind of the goal behind this pilot program as part of this accelerator is to take, like I said, the, the research that's coming out of the labs and help develop them to business ideas. And uh, various participants are at, at different stages in that, right? And being able to achieve a uh, product or service, or actually a business model value proposition as a product or service that they can go in and uh, sell or turn into a business, right? And, and kind of put in front of a customer so as part of the accelerator program, you know, we tried to pair them with uh, mentors, either internally with uh, leaders in the organization who have started their own companies and can provide that type of mentorship or uh, technical expertise, right? Matching them with uh, a lot of our development team or business units that focus on similar products that they can build on top of right? Uh, mm -hmm. Introducing them to other programs that we have in existence. Uh, for example, we have a Trimble developer program that is, is, is being created that allows um, yeah, these participants to access uh, APIs or SDKs, for example, 
We have a triple partnership program that we introduce them to. In addition to that, uh, other learning resources, we have a platform called learn.trimble.com where they're able to access uh, various um, learning products. Think think of uh, LinkedIn Learning or, or these other platforms where you get kind of subscribe to a course and anything, mm -hmm. right? But this, this gives you access to specific uh, Trimble software uh, learning curriculums. We also have, uh, yeah, other resources that we make available to them so that hopefully they can, they can leverage that and not just internally, but also trying to make the connections externally, right? A number of our folks, you know, uh, partner with, with external organizations and I mentioned strategic customers. So, uh, when the, when the time is right, right, we try to introduce them to some of these customers. To, to get that kind of feedback, or in the case of um, the student that's working on the project for, let's say the, uh, the the building system, introduce them to specific trades, trade organizations, and leaders in trade organizations to yeah. see what what kind of uh, yeah opportunities might exist there or feedback they could provide uh, for their project. So, I think that's that's my my biggest challenge. And uh, if I had a call call to action, right for this podcast, would be to if you're interested in mentoring, like please mm -hmm. feel free to reach out and uh, join right, the accelerator as part of Metro because there's a number of, of people who could use your expertise, whether it be industry expertise, subject matter expertise, or if you started your company, right, uh, entrepreneurship expertise. These are all kind of uh, things that we could use more of. And I think, uh, yeah, I was listening to a recent podcast you, you did with Clifton, and he, his call to action was to have more startup companies, right. more uh, investment opportunities, more spin outside of tech companies. But to get there, I, I think we need, we need to have uh, greater mentorship. And that's my goal as part of this accelerator program is to provide that for, for industry and for, uh, you know, graduates coming out of the university that who are interested in uh, starting their own companies. This episode is made possible with support from Confluence. If you've been listening to the Troxel podcast, you've heard of our next sponsor for this episode, Confluence. But we have something new to announce. Confluence is now more than invite-only live events. It's now also a podcast. And it's very cool, if I do say so myself, because it's a joint collaboration between me here at Troxel and Randall Stevens of Avail, who is the creator of Confluence, as well as having been on this podcast a couple of times talking about the AEC tech industry that we all love. So who's the show for? Well, have you ever written software or wondered why the software you use works the way it does or want to find out how the people who make the software in our industry do their work? Then this is the show for you. I like to describe the Confluence podcast as the director's commentary track for AEC industry software because in each episode, we go behind the scenes of AEC software development and talk directly with the developer to dissect a feature and their workflows and get an inside view of how and why they made the decisions they did while creating the software you use. Randall describes it as the AEC industry software version of the How I Built This podcast which we are both huge fans of. Confluence is a visual show in which our guests show their work. 
We think you're really going to like it, and we already have a few episodes out for you to watch. You can find it on YouTube and Spotify right now. Just search for Confluence Podcast on those platforms or click the direct links I've put in the show notes for this episode. Go check it out and please subscribe. No, really, just just go check it out and subscribe right now. This episode will still be here when you get back. My thanks to Confluence for supporting this episode of the Troxel Podcast. I would assume that also while you're creating those connections that the students through the kind of interview process with those experts, not only are they getting the insight that's domain expertise, but they're also identifying what I would hope is a whole that the person who's been doing it for a long time also recognizes and, and they're able to kind of tailor what they're doing toward an actual potential customer in that in that way. I, how, how many startups, how many ideas have you seen where there's this idea, but there's no validation of the idea? Yeah. And they may even go through the entire process of building that thing, spending all the capital and the time to do it, and then not finding a customer with it, right? It happens all the time. And so is that validation also happening through this process so that we create the connection from here to there before it's too late, before they spend all that time for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's kind of the the idea behind having demo days, mentor days, right? When it's graduation, for us to get those feedback. But um, specifically, the demo days to get the feedback from potential customers, right, on developing their products and getting that product market fit. And mm -hmm. so, customer surveys is a big component of that. And I love accelerator programs that will take, for example. Uh, participants, their their applications like day one and have participants burn those applications and you know to realize that what they thought they were gonna bring to market might completely change by the end of the accelerator program based right. on that based on that feedback and lessons learned. And uh, I think that's a that's a really good kind of first lesson is that uh, it's an, it's important to be open and iterate and take that feedback Right, to be able to achieve that product market fit uh, that hopefully will become a, a product and service that people will find value in. Right? And that's that's not something you're going to get. For me, you're not going to get from the accelerator program. It's up to the market to determine you know, what that looks like, what it is, and, and hopefully uh, through the, the process that we try to uh, create as part of the accelerator program uh, is, is how participants get there it, it, it just makes me think of a few other things that uh, other guests that i've had on the show uh and on and other podcasts that i've been on as well one, one that i think of is a was a researcher and she does qualitative research with with building product manufacturers for the most part and she listens to what they're saying and then does does market research to see if it actually is is playing out because there, i think the idea of assumptions, untested assumptions is something that uh, in what it doesn't make sense to me because we're we're trained to test and iterate and do all of these. That's why we have critiques in architecture school, right? Is to get is to, for the feedback loop to be in full effect. But there's so many times in technology, in product development, where there's a, a core set of assumptions made early that are never really tested against the market. 
And it's only through that testing that you get the feedback whether there's product market fit or not, right? It's There's kind of this initial idea where we assume that of course there is. Like I see the value in this. Why doesn't everybody, why everybody's going to see the value in this. But it's actually only through testing of those assumptions that it happens. And I, I think about my research friend because there's so many times where it's like the the dots aren't connecting. They're the yeah. the the message isn't landing. Uh, people are seeing things in a very different way than you think they're seeing them. Um, and yet, as architects, we are trained on every project to do exactly what you're talking about doing. We, we don't think about this as the same kind of a problem as that, though. Maybe um, so. I, I think that that's just kind of an interesting, again, position that you're in to help people test those assumptions with these um, product demo days with talking to people in various domains that could connect into what they're proposing um, and so I, I think that's all excellent to hear yeah and i think a lot of that comes from uh, my time in consulting right i think why uh, organizations like fairy technologies are so successful because they were boots on the ground you know uh, mm-hmm. the business mm-hmm. model was to work at a client office and right. uh live the the same pain points that um, our customers did day in day out and unless you were reaching the ground and on a on an existing project you wouldn't have an understanding right of how how things are done kind of the various workflows and how you could plug in various technologies to uh, make those workflows more efficient right and so often that would require developing like i mentioned bespoke uh, solutions and so to your point people who work in labs people who work you know by themselves without getting that customer feedback um i think sometimes you have to develop products and services that that often fail and hopefully through this um structured program right we're able to provide uh participants with enough opportunities to get that feedback from potential customers or industry experts from uh, people who have understanding of the, of the actual challenges on projects to be able to, to build that into their existing products and services. So are there internship opportunities in this kind of a thing as well so that people can get that experience by under like living through the, that pain or that circumstance or that process with potential people who would end up buying whatever they're coming up with? So we don't have any internships as part of our accelerator program. I, I know our, our parent company Trimble has uh, has an internship program and that's to develop. Yeah, we have we have a couple of programs. So we have a, uh, a rotational development program where uh, recent graduates come into the program and kind of spend some time with various uh, business units to, to find kind of their, yeah, their, their passion and, and kind of the best fit within the organization so they get exposure to various parts of the company, get a general knowledge. So when they find kind of their final landing spot, they have an overview of the entire organization and then uh, hopefully find yeah, their, their dream job. We have also a, an internship program, which I believe is a summer program. So uh, a student is able to you know, fulfill their uh, university requirement and uh, spend some time in our organization and learn some new skill sets and that hopefully they will take it throughout their career. But as part of our accelerator program, there's no 
specific internship per se, but you know, the whole experience is about kind of getting, getting that education, uh, being put in front of, uh, potential customers, getting the feedback. Uh, also I think, uh, our graduation event and, uh, yeah, mentor days are also great, great times where we invite industry professionals, right? Feedback, right? So they get it, they get it in different aspects, not necessarily being on an active project, but they get it, yeah. um, yeah, from, from various, uh, users of these technologies and, and people who work, work on projects on day in, day out. There's a big lack of, in our industry, there's a big lack of connection to the job site. Like, I, it's interesting to hear that there's projects all around the construction side of things. Um, and maybe that's because it's coming more out of the civil engineering side. I don't know. But but I think we've all seen how there's a disconnection between practice and even what actually gets built in the field in the feedback loop that does or doesn't happen because of that disconnection to the drawings and the modeling and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is, seems like, a, a natural fit for these students to try to f spend time or, and maybe they're not all students. I don't know what the age range is. Anybody, you could be any age and be in university, right? So it seems to me like there's an opportunity potentially there to walk a mile in their shoes, right? That, that as this old saying goes, so that you actually understand the problems better than you think you understand those problems, right? Because you'll have lived experience by doing it. And you'll, if you've walked a mile in their shoes, you'll be a mile away and you'll have their shoes, right? So you can, you can always, you always have that going for you. But it does seem like a, a way to kind of, again, connect the dots and, and, and make it so that these, these projects really land because there is an understanding of the customer's pain and the, and that the value proposition is always around that, right? It's actually solving someone's problem. Like what are the, understanding what the problems truly are for the businesses so that then you figure out how you're gonna go back and build something to solve that problem. It doesn't really necessarily work the other way around. Yeah, you, you mentioned a couple of uh, good points there. You know, the connection between the construction site and design. I think that's something that is a, a unique value that uh, Trimble as our organization brings to the table. Right? It was a company founded in hardware, the Charlie Trimble and the uh, geospatial GPS, green right. GPS technology to the civil industry. And today's um, software is, is really focused on that connection between field and the office and right, in facilitating uh, communication between these various groups. Uh, so hopefully there's, there's a better connection between yeah, the site and the design team uh, through these various uh, softwares. And so if I were speaking to a, a potential applicant, I would I would say that uh, that's one of the values that Trimble brings and the software it brings and uh, the value of building on top of that uh, ecosystem or Trimble platform would, would bring to uh, their own products and services and why they should consider uh, joining the accelerator program and going through the, through the process because they would, they would be getting access to those resources, the mentorship, and, uh, hopefully, uh, opportunity to, uh, you know, put their products and services in front of potential customers for, for, uh, gaining that product market fit. 
I want to go back and touch on something that you mentioned in passing, which was your grasshopper-like product. And I bet there's a lot of people in the audience who have no idea that Trimble has something like that. Uh, Tom Kleiskins, who I think is the product manager on yep. that, has been on this show. And maybe you could just give, I, I'd love to give Tom a shout out. He he was introduced to me by Clifton Harness of TestFit. Okay. And I, he's an amazing guy. And so I want to give him a shout out. But maybe you can just give a quick overview of what that is so that uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people can check it out. I don't know how much of it's out there yet or anything. So maybe you can you can just talk about it for a minute. Yeah, I want to say it's a, a product, you know, it's not in beta, just out of beta. Uh, your point, it's uh, led by Tom and his team out of New Zealand. It was an acquisition, uh, I believe it's called Materia. And uh, yeah, it's very, very similar to uh, Grasshopper and Dynamo that it was, it was uh, initially, it's, it's a geometric engine, right? Essentially with a graphical user interface. And so I think when it originally required by Trimble, the idea was to embed it into uh, a number of products. I think today it's it's a, a standalone product, but it's had some integrations with tools like SketchUp, the 3D warehouse. There's this idea of, um, of uh, components that uh, called adaptive components that you can build intelligence into objects and uh, yeah, use parameters right to to uh, essentially uh, build parametric relationships between various elements. And you can download them via 3D Warehouse and uh, embed them into your, your 3D models, whether it be in SketchUp or Tecla or, or other other um, softwares. But uh, essentially, yeah, a geometric engine that offers similar capability to like a Grasshopper and, and Dynamo. Yeah, so it is like a visual programming graph on the screen and you connect nodes together to build the linkage that you need to create geometry right that is parametric yeah it, it's it was kind of the next evolution right if you kind of go back to uh the beginning of our conversation is the next evolution after uh form z where we just had 3d modeling software and then we we had people like mcneil release rhino and on top of that we had grasshopper and the right. idea of computational design and being able to not have to uh, yeah, code or encode logic using uh, text-based programming language, right? Mm -hmm. But you could actually just use uh, nodes and components to string logic together. But since then, we've seen kind of the evolution of, of that develop into uh, products like Hypar, right? Being able to use reusable, uh, yeah, reusable scripts that you would encode logic to, and and you could just uh, call. Now, now with the advent of AI, we're, we're seeing now even the next level of that where uh, yeah, you could you could just use natural language, right, to uh, to build build your scripts and the logic and and uh, may become even easier than the existing tools we have today. Yeah, I think there's a lot, maybe less trial and error. I think uh, one, there's a there's an upcoming guest on the show, Nick Catelier. He has a, a YouTube channel called BIM Pure Live. And 
he recently had an episode on there where they were doing exactly that. It's basically chat GPT inside of Revit, I think was the case because a lot of the stuff that he's doing is around the Revit product and, and BIM. And one of the things he said was like, like the code's really bad. And the guy who was, was on there showing it was like, yeah, but it still works, right? And, and, yeah. and I, I think we're going to see a lot of that, right? Which is like, because people don't have the patience to try to f- rework their visual scripting uh, to get it to do what they want, on, s- on many levels, it's way easier to type something in to ChatGPT, say, write me a Python script, copy that Python script, throw it into a node, and it does the thing that, for the most part, you wanted it to do and we just move on right and and these a lot of these visual programming scripts are throwaway anyway they don't back to yeah. your gt stuff right it's like i'm going to use it on this project there there are very few scripts that get reused in major ways in in useful ways right most of them get thrown away just like most of the design process gets thrown away and that's okay um i think it's going to be an interesting next few years with ai and scripting and and coding and image generation and you know business use cases uh, as well. So I, I I'm I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, I've kind of gone of through my own hype cycle of of AI and and you know uh, what it what it could or you know could do for us both both good and bad. But um, I, I'm interested maybe from your point of view and maybe we can we can wrap up here. Is just what are you excited about? with the future, what's coming in AEC with technology, what you're seeing right now. Uh, and and I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm excited for the, this this next evolution of tools, you know, with the advent of AI and machine learning. Uh, these are these are technologies that we explore as part of a course that I teach at Capoy Kimono called Advanced Digital Design. I think that's maybe the same course where you were teaching Archicad and Revit. It's kind of evolved, uh, yeah. you know, to include. That was ancient, ancient digital design at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> I think but it's yeah, just it's continuation. <laughs> yeah, continuation, yeah. right? Of uh, right of these evolving technologies. So I'm kind of exciting about excited about the next level. To your point, the ability that these models allow, at least the uh, large language models, to be able to to write. Uh, code without even having understanding for code and kind of just using natural language to go back and forth, test things out, whether they work or don't work and, and feed it the uh, errors that you're getting and uh, debug right your scripts using this this uh, this interface. I think is really exciting. Uh, what I'm really excited about maybe is that next evolution of, of these uh, models and how they might play with um, you know other other models, generative design models. Uh, I'm really excited about the approach to multimodal models, mm-hmm. and uh, using the idea of using various inputs. But I think there's there's limitations to just using text-based large language models, uh, but being able to use right a 3D model as an input, use a large language model to describe what it is you're trying to achieve. Uh, some of the new uh, yeah, multimodal models that are coming out, such as uh, GPT-4 uh, Vision, I think is really mm-hmm. exciting because you could even uh, use a sketch right as as your your input. So I can imagine, uh, yeah, a world where you're just able to, to write the logic or sketch out the logic, uh, you know, by hands, 
and use kind of the vision capability to, to build out that uh, script scripting logic and then kind of go back and forth with a uh, with a copilot to, to develop that idea into a, a working um, script to automate a task or I think some of the more exciting things uh, like the Hypark team is doing right is being able to encode that into a reusable script that you could just use a, a large language model to call upon an API and execute, right? And it kind of mm -hmm. happens on the back end and you just get the thing that you need uh, to, to as part of your workflow. So stringing, stringing these various things together, these different models, you know, um, to kind of answer your question, I'm, I'm more of a gla uh, glass half full person. I, I'm mm -hmm. maybe because of my uh, yeah, biases and technology, I, I have a positive outlook versus others yeah. who kind of see it as a, yeah. yeah, 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 more optimistic versus the idea that we're going to have, um, yeah, uh, AGI one day that's going to take over the world, these black boxes. I think the, the future of AI is more about uh, many AIs, right, that are really good at doing small things, AIs that use different inputs and that you could string together to achieve your final goal. And for me, why it's interesting and exciting this idea that uh, you could be a student who wants to start your own company and you can leverage these these technologies uh, to create a product or a service that uh, innovates in the industry and also disrupts right, the current model and you're able to kind of compete against uh, big shops. So you could be, you know, in, in the words of one of our, our uh, previous participants, Kind of be small and act big, right? I think that's that's a, a powerful idea and um, exciting to see potentially be a reality uh, and in the world where where AI and and machine learning exist. There's a couple of things that I've seen recently that have just uh, I've been amazing, and and those to me are showing the potential of these systems doing reverse engineering of things. So, for example. Uh, an image of a of a fully plated dinner is uploaded at, to your point about the the vision in GPT-4, right? It's just send up a picture of a plated dinner and say give me the recipe for this dish. And it does. I think that's incredible, right? So the idea of reverse engineering something back down into its building block components and how to actually make that. So it's not just what's on the plate. It's like how you would go through it's what is what is on the plate, what are the ingredients, and how do you put those together to make the thing on the plate? Because I think that applies to what we, we do as architects, and I think that's the gap that we would be looking to get bridged between something that MidJourney produces and saying, okay, now how do I build a 3D model of that, right? Because it's a 2D representation. Yeah. It's not a 3D representation. And the other one real quick was a, a government... Uh, document that it had was heavily redacted, redacted, yeah, and it was able to basically, I'm sure, pretty closely figure out what had been redacted from it. Why? Because it knows what words go out are the most likely to come after the words that it that it can see. Right? That's exactly what the large language model GPT 3.5 and 4 are doing. Right? When they write text, is it's it's a token based system. Every word is a token or a series of tokens, and it's based on probability of the words that came before it, based on all the language it's ever been trained on. And so therefore, 
you know, it's again, reverse engineering something that we don't have all the answers, but it gives us a pretty good idea of what it actually takes to get there from where we are, which is from not knowing to knowing. And I think that shows a ton of potential, both kind of really interesting, but also a little bit scary in the, the government uh, redacted document kind of a thing. But I, I'm, I'm also really optimistic and hopeful that we don't, as AEC, uh, take too long to just sit back and watch what happens, but we kind of take it upon ourselves to figure out business use cases now that we can potentially solve with tools like that and start doing it because I think that would uh, that would be amazing. Before we say goodbye, I just want to reiterate your call to action, which was for people to get involved in mentorship. Uh, and so I want you to tell the audience how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in doing that and what might be involved in that. So can you tell everybody where's the best place to find you? And we'll put links to all these in the show notes so people don't have to stop driving when they're listening to this and write it down. They'll know they can click on a link in the show notes, but go ahead and, and give everybody that information. Yeah, so to learn more about our accelerator program, you can find us at uh, 060.io uh, to reach out to me. Is that all spelled me. out, the letters Z-E-R-O-S-I-S-X-T-Y? T-Y, correct. I can't even spell yeah. German. Sorry. Yes, as one word, no worries. <laughs> yeah, as one word, you can find more okay. information about our accelerator program there. If you'd like to email us, we're at info at 060.io as well. Uh, you okay. can reach me on all social media platforms are probably more active on LinkedIn these days. Uh, okay. So feel free to, to reach out. And yeah, my call to action would be uh, if you're interested in mentoring, there's a number of recent graduates, you know, uh, professionals currently working in firms looking to start their own companies and can really use the help of industry professionals of those that have built their own companies in the past. Um, and yeah, just those that are interested in driving change in the industry uh, for for that mentorship and feedback for products and services. So I would I would uh, ask, yeah, if you're interested and in, in excited about this to, to get involved and uh, please reach out. I'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. I'll put 060.io in there and your, that email address. The last thing that I'll say is that, you know, mentorship is not a one-way street. I think that mentors and mentees both get something out of it. And so to your point, German, if, if somebody is interested in helping guide and they're interested in the future and change advocacy in AEC, you will also get something out of it as a mentor. So um, it's not it's not just a one-way thing that's going to take up your time. I think you're going to get just, out, just as much out of it as the mentees are. So... Um, this sounds like a fantastic program. I'm so happy to hear about your new role at Trimble Ventures. And uh, I wish you all the success. Thank you so much, Evan. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right. Talk to you soon. You too. Cheers. Thanks to our sponsors and thanks to our members this week. Find out how you can become a member at trxl.co. And I'll talk to you again next week.